two. Yeah, I'm on time, baby. What up, ladies and gents? It's SHIT. So happy. So happy Thursday. Thursday. We're ready to rock and roll today. And I took an honesty quiz. You guys want to know what that's like? Ooh, yeah, let's find out curious. here in a second. Hit it, James. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business and social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros. <laughs> what up? I All love right, it. Ham. It's ready. It it's go be. time. It must be Thursday, and I'm so happy it's Thursday. Can we call this a TEDx Thursday? We probably can. <laughs> you can call it any what Thursday my, you want. Well, one of my favorite types of guests are those that have been on the TEDx stage because I know that they're always bringing the heat. Today's guest is no exception, but exceptional. Our guest today is not only a TEDx speaker, he's also an author whose work has been featured in Forbes, Inc., Huffington Post, and a lot more. As a serial entrepreneur, his companies have been featured in Inc.'s top 5,000 fastest growing companies in America. So you're going to want to listen in today to learn how you can take your company to new heights. Joining us today from across the country and from the full service international advertising agency, Gem Advertising, welcome to the show, Chief Strategy Officer, Peter Cazador. Peter, welcome to the program, my friend. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. It's wonderful to be here. I got to take you guys everywhere. That intro is fantastic. I need that every time I walk <laughs> into my house. Fire, man. It's fire. You know, you're going to have to uh, set it up on your Alexa and be like, Alexa, play my intro. Yeah. Alexa, <laughs> intro me. Intro me, baby. Dun, dun. <laughs> I, got, I got like theme music in the background going yep. off. Right. All right, Peter, I took an honesty quiz. Oh, boy. Um, what'd you get? It said, I follow the herd in most cases. I uh, take my emotional cues from outside influences like the news and my best friends. I might have lots of acquaintances that I call friends, but few close friends. And those close relationships might keep me uh, in my comfort zone. So I might have a decent life by my own definition, but I'm not taking bold steps to move forward towards my dreams. I'm likely to say what, uh, what I must around those around other people and be as honest as possible without hurting anyone's feelings. Be nice is important and it's part of what keeps me in good social standing. I rarely solicit opinions of those around me uh, for fear that they might contradict my own and prioritize comfort over any reward that could come from taking an aggressive action. Man, help me break okay, hang that on, down. Hang on. hang on a second. Before, before that, where did this come from? Because I <laughs> did I not do enough of my research? Yeah, well, a little bit. So uh, that was my stuff. I, I figured I'm going to throw it out here. And then uh, Peter's going to tell us a little bit about what he's doing with his book. Tell us a little bit about that quiz and uh, how that oh. how that all relates. Yeah. So it all ties in. I like it. Can't oh, yeah. wait. So Hernan, first of all, thank you for your honesty uh, in sharing your results. And I really put the quiz together after I put the book together because I wanted an easy way for folks to get in and grasp the content and, and apply it personally, to know, hey, where do I stand in my own personal leadership style? 
So the quiz is broken down into a few sections. Um, and after you take the quiz, there's a video of me walking you through each one. But basically it comes down to things like, how easily do you walk through life absorbing information that comes at you without questioning the data and what's, what's true, what's not behind it? Uh, to what extent are you honest with and about others around you, right? Do you control your environment? Are you careful about the friends and family you keep around because they are honest and honest with you? In turn, are you honest with them? You know, do you not just wear your heart on your sleeve and just expose it for the sake of exposing your feelings, but are you upfront and frank with the folks around you to let them know who you really are, what you're trying to do, and where they can help you? Uh, and then finally, how honest with you are, you are you with yourself, with your own biases, with your own ego, with your own self-limiting beliefs or bullshit, as I like to say? Um, <laughs> and so, you know, how honest are you about where you're trying to go in life, and how aggressively do you pursue that? And so, the 21 questions basically break those down into a score and then give you your honesty type. And that's for free on my website, by the way. So, uh, I mean, some of it feels kind of accurate and some of it I'm like, well, that might be a little bit off. Uh, but but it did really kind of give me an assessment. I, I, I definitely am a homebody. Like I've, I found a way through podcasting to be able to talk to someone new every single day. That's been amazing. But I haven't left my house. Right? <laughs> well, and, we're not supposed to anyway in the pit zombie apocalypse here, so it's right. Okay. Yeah, right. I, I feel you on that one. But even going forward, as as we enter a, a newer normal, um, I tend to keep my you know keep myself secluded, I guess, but still out in the open. Um, I tend to uh, you know I do take in the influence of others, just like yourself, right? You're on the show. I get to learn from you. So I do take in information as much as possible, but I don't always give myself that huge critique uh, from other people. I, I do have that fear of, of talking to, you know, I, I, of getting told something that I, maybe I don't believe in, or that I am something that I don't believe in. And, and I guess I, it, it's a little bit difficult for me to accept that when you give these personality quiz and people sit down and, and talk to you about their results, is it usually like right on or do they kind of figure something out about themselves? Do they make a change or, you know, what's the, what's the core purpose behind going through this process? Well, you have to remember, right? It's, um, it's not like it's a scientific test in that I can't control whether people are honest about answering the question. So that's step one. Um, and step two is most, some folks, you have to think about this book, right? I wrote a book about honesty. My hope is that folks who need a lot more honesty in their lives, and I don't mean the sense that like, you know, they outright lie to people, but most people lie to themselves in some way, shape or form, right? About what's going on in the world, what's going on in their close circle of people, what's going on with themselves, right? The dishonest folks in, in those ways are the ones that I want to read the book, want to take the quiz, want to talk about these things. Of course, this is sort of biased selection in the first place because the folks who are more likely to read a book about honesty probably regard the value of honesty higher than those who don't. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. there's so much bias that plays even into the way this is delivered that I actually, you know, your response, Hernan, to come to share your results, to self-reflect, that's the most amazing thing I want to hear from folks that take this because awareness is the first step to understanding how to use strategic honesty to achieve results in your business and life. Dishonesty is a habit, guys. It's like, you know, an addiction. 
And what's the first step to breaking an addiction? Admitting we all have a problem and we all have a problem when it comes to honesty and dishonesty in society and in ourselves. We definitely do. Now, I'm, I'm going to push back on this a little bit and say that I don't think very many people uh, realize how much they actually lie to themselves. I totally you know, agree. Like, for example, you know, when, I, when I'm looking at this, you know, I, I can easily say that I'm at home and, you know, I'm, I'm out there, I'm working, I'm meeting new people. But unless I really sit back and reflect and, and people will tell me, James will tell me, my business partner will tell me, yet yeah, don't ask her not. He's not going to get out. He's going to stay at home anyways. He's, he likes his pool at home. He likes his air conditioning at home. He's a homebody. Mm-hmm. He's not going to go anywhere. Uh, and, and It's right? true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not something I like to hear because I, I like to think that I'm personable. I like to think that I, I interact with people on a regular basis, that I can hold a good conversation with somebody and they're, they're, they might learn something from me as much as I might learn from them. But to be able to share some of these attributes, it's like you really got to look deep down and realize that the lies that you're telling yourselves, you're, you're, you're telling yourself to protect yourself in a way to, you know, these are limiting beliefs that are not only things that you've kind of scraped under the rug, but they're actually the things preventing you from attaining the goals that you want to achieve. Those are the, those are the hurdles that you have to overcome and you need to identify them first. It's true. And what I've sadly found in my own life is that that identification can't come without great pain. I mean, listen, guys, 17-year-old Peter uh, knew two things to be true. One, he was going to the Olympics as a figure skater. I was a very serious athlete as a figure skater. I I was going to the Olympics. That was the dream. Um, And I also knew without beyond a shadow of a doubt that I was going to go to Harvard. I grew up outside of Boston. There was only one college for me. That was Harvard. Never thought about any other one. Um, By 18, It was clear that the Olympics weren't going to happen. I wasn't good enough. Couldn't keep my shit together. Uh, And I applied to Harvard. Harvard sent me a very nice letter back saying, thank you, but no, thank you. Don't call us. We'll call you. Um, And that was devastating, guys. Now, in the best of ways, it was devastating. It gave me two massive chips on my shoulder, right? It fueled what would become my marketing agency, my startup out of college, right in the depths of 2008 and the financial crisis, and being able to grow that into an Inc. 5000 agency. But that's not where the story stops. The next milestone was what happened when I turned 30. I don't know if this has happened to you guys. It's fucking terrible. Like, I don't know how anybody survives this. <laughs> and what happened is I turned 30 and I, I realized that those two epic failures had knocked me into a second best life scenario where I just thought to myself, well, obviously I'm not going to be the pinnacle of success. I already fucked that up. But now I'm just going to take sort of a second best approach. And after 30, I had to get a real reckoning of who I really was, what I honestly wanted to achieve in life. And guys, I achieved more in the year and a half after turning 30 than I had in the 10 years prior. That's what's brought me to you, to the TEDx stage, to writing a book that got endorsed by Barbara Corcoran, to getting the Inc. 5000 list, all of this stuff. I lit a fire under my ass. And that's because I was finally able to use failure to get deeply honest with who I was and what I wanted. Well, let me ask you a little bit more about how that happened. Why? When did you figure out you know, rather than labeling it and living in your past, realizing that you weren't going to make the Olympics, that, you know, it, it wasn't going to be the life that you had envisioned, you labeled it right now as the second rate life. Like this is, you know, there's a lot of people, I, I it's like that Al Bundy syndrome, right? I don't know if you ever watched Married with Children growing up or anything mm-hmm. like that. But so Al Bundy's, he's, you know, middle-aged man, he's got a family, he's living at home, but he's always reliving those high school days when that, that time he scored four touchdowns in high school, right? He's never, le- he's never left that lifestyle. And because he's never left, 
left the past, he can't enjoy the present and can't even consider what a future would look like. And there are a mm -hmm. lot of people who are stuck in that, me included for a very long time. You know, just recently, I would say in, into the podcasting space that I could be stuck in a past wondering, am, am I doing the right thing? Am I making the right choices? Is this the life that I was supposed to lead? It should have been baseball for me. It should have been this life for me. But am I doing the right thing? Like I know that I'm not the only one who feels that way. How do you help to, you know, what worked for you to help identify that that past is the past and now I can take control of my present to conquer my future? So a very interesting thing occurred after 30, <clears throat> which is that I decided, listen, I'm at the quarter life mark, right? Because I'm going to live to 120. Um, at the rate of wine I drink, it's probably unlikely, but that's another podcast story. <laughs> um, and I really said to myself, look, you know, when I was a young kid, I used to think about like retirement, right? Like I want to grow a portfolio of companies that supports my lifestyle and I want to travel and I want to do all these things. And I'm a great studier of like folks and their own psychology. You know, I'm not one to look at like all these successful people and ask, what do they do? I actually am much more entertained and influenced by people around me whom, whom I regard as failures. And I don't mean even people I know personally, I mean just out in the world. I, I love studying failure and, and what happens to people in those moments. And uh, you know what I really figured out in the end, guys, is that failure with a capital F in life only occurs when one thing happens and that's when you give up. That is the only moment in which you've actually failed. And so when I, when I sort of decided, well, what's the opposite of giving up? It's going for everything everywhere working my tail off, what happened was I started to see success, right? You know, and folks that like have all kinds of mind tricks and like, hey, here's three ways to change your thought pattern to feel more successful. I'm like, fuck that. I wanna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel successful when I earn success. Mm -hmm. And so seeing my articles start to post to Inc and then Forbes and getting a couple speaking gigs and getting an agent for my book and then a publisher. And like, you know, as I stomped on each one of these little goals on the way to the, the big goals, my definition of success, that in turn, of course, gave me a lot of confidence. And so one of the things I want people to walk away with from our show today is don't be a victim of the Instagram cat meme, let's all feel good about ourselves and go down some rabbit hole and avoid reality kind of time suck. Instead, get honest about what success in your life looks like and realize that as you achieve things, you will feel successful. That's called being successful in the real world, not just in your mind. By the way, it needs to start in your mind with the realization that you can do incredible things as long as you're honest about what those things are that you even want to do and what it's going to take to get there. And then you get off your ass and you work. I mean, it really is that hard and it's that simple. So James and I often have this discussion of a vision, right? Knowing something in the future, a, a goal that we want to go to. And I understand the value of having a goal. Um, one thing that I continue to struggle with today is once I've reached the level of success, what do, what do I do after that? right? What comes after that level? Because I, I really resonate with what you said. I wanted to build companies. I wanted to have that uh, income that can provide the life that I want to live, right? And that's, to me, that's one goal. And James would always ask, you, ask me, what comes after that? And I never, to this day, I still don't have an answer. Mm -hmm. It's almost like I, I don't want to stop and do nothing, 
Like I didn't want to reach a goal where something ends and then it's over. And maybe that's why I can't clearly define what happens after. Cause it's probably going to be, I don't know. I'll start over and do another one. That's honestly probably what will happen when I reach a certain level of success with one company, I will, you know, sell it or walk away or let it continue to do its thing. And I'll probably look over and be like, huh, that looks interesting over there and start all the way over again right. because I don't, it's just the way my mind operates. I can't see myself not doing anything. Is that bad? No, not at all. I, my definition of success is optionality. It's having the option to self-reflect and say, what are the things that I like doing? Let's do more of that. What are the things I hate doing? Let's stop doing all that. That mm. to me, that ability to be binary in the way you spend your time and energy and resources, that to me is my own personal definition of success. And what's interesting that I'll piggyback on this, and maybe you guys can relate, is my definition of success has changed over time as I've learned, as I've achieved things and then figured out, oh, that's not all that fun. One time, you know, at one point in my mid-20s, I was convinced that lots of employees and offices around the world and clients all over the world is flying all over too would be just like awesome. And I would love that. Well, I did that. We had offices in three states and two countries and clients around the world and employees. And guess what? I hated it. I was like, this is terrible. I hate managing all these people. This is all like, who would like this? And so we cut back and shrunk. And now it turns out I actually like working on my laptop and not putting on any pants. That's what makes me happy. So, you know, it, there are things that we can't even know about ourselves until we come over the hill. You know, I liken it to driving across country. Like you see the map, but you don't know what Indiana looks like until you get to Indiana. And then once you get there, you're like, oh, I didn't want to drive through Indiana. I'm going to head south or north or wherever. But sometimes we can't know until we come upon whatever it is we're supposed to come upon in that moment. That's a great, great analogy. I love that because it's you're absolutely right. And it's it's kind of ironic because if I take the whole other side, I know that I don't really want to travel. I know that for sure. And even though other people tell me you're missing out, you get to see the world, I'm like, check it out. My son has this uh, VR headset. And when I put it on, I get to see the world like in a yeah. whole different way. Like I can literally walk down the street and I'm all good. I, I it's it, I've, I've been able to identify what I don't want. Uh, and I think that at least is a starting point for, for many people. Cause at least, you know, I'm not going in that direction. I'm not going to waste my time to do the things that I don't want to do. Still trying to identify what I do want. I think that's a little more difficult because I think every time I, like you said, every time I get to the end point on a map and I get there, I realize, hmm, maybe this wasn't the place I wanted to be at. Let's change direction and go somewhere else. And that's okay because at that point, you're already a changed person in the best of ways. You're already more experienced. You already have stories to tell and ways to help people that you didn't before. I, I think of that as a gift. I do too. I do too. All right, let's take a little uh, Ham's insurance break. All right, fun stuff. This is a good one today. Well, yesterday I mentioned it, so I might as well talk about it today. Umbrella insurance policy. So umbrella insurance is an extension of your personal liability. Remember yesterday we talked about knocking somebody in the back of the head with a golf ball, right, Arbol? <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, hitting somebody in the back of the head, that could be just a bump on the head. It could be a concussion or in a worst case scenario, it could land somebody in a coma. Your home or renter's insurance will typically cover between $100,000 to $300,000 in personal liability coverage for those types of injuries that you cause to someone else. If someone ends up in a coma because of an accident like a golf ball or even a trip and 
all from a crack in your driveway, you could be on the hook for a lot more. So that's when you'll want to have an umbrella policy in place. While your homeowner's policy provides a few hundred thousand dollars in liability coverage, an umbrella policy can provide from $1 million up to $10 million in additional liability coverage. So if you want to make sure that you're completely covered, ask your agent about umbrella and excess liability policies. If you have any questions or need any advice, give us a call at Pipeline Insurance, uh, 877-928-9994. And while you're at it, follow us on Twitter at InsuranceBroHam. All right, Peter, uh, starting a business is not easy. I want to know about some of your struggle. You've had hurdles, you've had ups, you'd have downs. Uh, there's no way you can live a perfect uh, hockey stick life. It's more like, you know, ups and downs like a roller coaster. What are some of the struggles that you had when you got, uh, when you decided to make a change and you were going to go full on into your business? Uh, you know, what were some of the hiccups? How'd you overcome them? Gosh, I, I didn't know we were doing this for eight hours and we were going to go dive into struggles. <laughs> I got so many. Oh, guys. We, you know, the, the lo slightly longer story is the reason I, my business partner and I ended up starting a video production company uh, is because he and I ran uh, figure skating stores. They were his stores and I was actually managing them for him in college. And I said, hey, listen, you know, when I get out I'm, in my, all of my electives, I'm taking business classes. You have the perfect kind of niche niche industry. Let's grow these stores. You, you know, you already have four. Let's go nationwide. And he was like, yeah, cool. Fucking awesome. Let's do that. So uh, then I decided to graduate in 2008. Right. Oops. Good job, Peter. Perfect uh, credit dries up, inventories shrink back. You know the drill, right? So we're like, okay, well, um, so we have these figure skating stores. We need more people to figure skate. How are we gonna, you know, drum up business? Oh, I know. Our brilliant idea was to go pitch a reality television show about figure skating. Hmm. This was like, our, this is the way we're gonna solve this. So we were like, hey, you know, Dancing with the Stars. That nobody likes ballroom dancing, and look at that. So uh, everyone watches figure skating. Most watch Olympic sport. Clearly, we should make a reality television show. That made a lot of sense, right, guys? Perfect so, idea. Yeah. So we pulled together the, these uh, all this video production crew, and we shoot this pilot. By the way, you don't need a pilot to go pitch a TV show, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> there are tens of thousands of dollars into debt, only to realize uh, producers uh, around the country are like, mm, figure skating, I don't, know, I don't know if anybody cares about figure skating. We're like, but ballroom dance, are you kidding? Anyway, <laughs> so... Uh, then we're tens of thousands into debt and we have these TV production crews and we're like, well, if we're going to be like real entrepreneurs, we should probably make like, you know, money or something, right? It's probably a good idea. So we uh, start shooting TV commercials. And guys, when I tell you we started at the bottom, we started at the bottom. We were shooting $800 television commercials for local car dealers, which is exactly as glamorous as it sounds. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, you know, 23-year-old eating macaroni and cheese on the floor, Peter, Gosh, I mean, if we could just get more of these $800 television spots, like we'd be rich, right? Well, apparently, even though I took business classes, I didn't take math classes because if I had stopped to like think about what that kind of business looks like, I would have realized that was not a viable thing. And we literally worked our way up. Um, and by the year four or five, we were doing a little under half a million dollars in revenue. And we finally got invited to pitch for uh, a full service gig because we had been getting hired by other agencies to do video production. And we realized that other full service marketing agencies 
kind of suck. I mean, they, they would overcharge their clients. They would blow past deadlines. They just didn't care. Strategies weren't, weren't that good. We were like, hell, we could do this, right? Classic entrepreneur, like, well, we could do that. Change the name. Now we're a full service agency. Change the name. All right, good. Now we're a full service agency. Go pitch. So uh, this VP of marketing of a local college calls us. We had been shooting videos of the students. And she says, hey, um, you know, we have, uh, we're going to go to pitch. We're going to hire a full service agency. It's a million dollar account. Do you guys want to handle it? Do you have the bandwidth, the people to do that? And we we sort of like paused and we're like, all right, well, do we? Of course we do. <laughs> like, do we have the graphic designers? Do we have a copyright? No, don't have that. Do we have account managers? No, don't have that. Uh, media people? No, don't, no. Um, we'll okay, take so it. We get, so we get back on the phone. <laughs> yeah, and we go, uh, yeah, we'll come pitch. Just give us a time. We'll be there. Absolutely. We've got everyone you need. No problem. Uh, so we go to the pitch. We, we At the end of the pitch, we show the video of the students talking, right? And then we reveal the tagline, like the cornerstone of the whole campaign and the room goes silent and the president looks down at this thing and like it's one of those like leaders that like they all look at the leader like what's the leader doing <laughs> head down not saying a word i'm looking around for the exit plan and suddenly she pops up she's like where did you get this i've been looking for this for years and we were like well we're, we're the biggest bunch of geniuses you've ever met that's why no i didn't <laughs> say that i said we didn't do this your your students did it right we were honest about whose opinion mattered most by the way that's your students not yours and that's where this campaign comes from. And that was like our first big cornerstone client. And we just grew it from there. So yeah, it's definitely been an interesting ride. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's, that's something that, that a lot of companies don't do. They don't focus their attention on their top clientele, the, the people who are actually looking to buy their product or service. They kind of take the owner approach and it's like, well, the owner knows best and we're going to, we're going to shove our product or service down their throat. And we don't really realize that if we just ask those questions, if we ask for the people that we want to service the most, Hey, what do you, you know, what, what is it that you don't like about our industry? What do you wish you had in our particular product or service? You're going to get answers to questions that you didn't even know were being posed. And then your job is just to find the solution to those things. Guys, I've worked in startups of the fortune 500 at this point, And I will tell you such a simple premise to be honest about what, what those people who matter, what they're saying, what they're thinking, what they're feeling. Common sense, not common practice at all. Even in the biggest companies, it's actually worse in the big companies. And it boggles my mind. It pissed me off so much that I decided to write a book about it. I mean, that's where Honest to Greatness came from. It's like, stop the shit. It's just that. It means just lies. Um, time to be real. And by the way, the organizations that do get honest about the people around them, about what's going on in the world, take their heads out of their sand, they end up absolutely crushing their industries and earning way more profits than their competitors. It doesn't take very, very, very much. No, it doesn't. I, I want to know about what's coming here in the future. You've already done so many great things. You have the book. You've built the company. What do you have in, in, in store for the future? What are the goals? What do you want to achieve? I'm doing a ton more coaching working with entrepreneurs to help them build their own companies, get out of their own way. 99% of business problems are personal problems in disguise. Trust me on that. Um, so I run entrepreneur groups. I have a B2B boot camp for founders selling into other businesses. I have Forum, which is a monthly Zoom call, 100% confidentiality and 100% vulnerability. It's an awesome program. Both those are on my website. The, the big thing I want to do, guys, is be sort of a Marcus Limonis. I don't know if you guys know who that is. Mm -mm. He's the prophet on CNBC. Okay, and yes. He basically has developed a portfolio of small businesses that he owns a little stake in, 
And um, he basically coaches, consults, owns that portfolio and just manages and helps his entrepreneurs grow. And that I think is my next chapter. I'm already talking to a few few entrepreneurs that I love their sector. I love, they're awesome leaders and I want to help them get to, you know, multi-millions and then hopefully do successful exits and keep on helping entrepreneurs build wealth. That's that's what I'm really passionate about. That's a great goal. I mean, that's that's a little bit different approach than starting up a, a company. You're already looking for something that has huge potential. You're essentially uh, a low key shark, right? So yeah. you're, you're coming in and you're, but you're, you're, you're helping them achieve a dream. You're helping them get out of your way. So essentially you're kind of becoming a therapist uh, in um, some sense. I want to add, it's a lazy therapist. You know, the reason I don't go start <laughs> my own business is because I already did that. That's a lot of work. I don't want to do that shit. Like oh, yeah. that too much work. It's, I'm it's, lazy. I'd rather be an investor mindset. So Peter says, that sounds great. That's a great uh, ambition. And I, I agree, man. This is one of those things where, you know, it, it's it's one thing, to, like you said, to build your own business. It's another thing to help somebody else achieve their dreams. You know, for us in the business bros, we always say the number one uh, rule in business is to be of service to others. And this is one of those ways where you can do that. And and it's it's weird because you think that by selling somebody your product or service, you're being of service to them. But there's actually a little bit more beyond just selling a product. Uh, and it's taking that little bit of an extra step. You may be providing capital for these entrepreneurs, but you're also providing them guidance. You're providing them, you know, it might be lazy counseling, but it's counseling and therapy to help get through them. And and it's it's one of those things that I realized early on when I got into the into the tax world and I sat down in front of a client and I would say, you know, how was your year? And they would open up and say, tell me everything, right? I got a divorce. I got married, new baby. Somebody passed away. You know, this person did this, whatever. And I'm, I'm listening to an entire therapy session yeah. and pulling out the pieces that I need to help uh, create their tax return in the, in the most advantageous way. And I feel like what you just mentioned right now is kind of the same thing. Hey, 100%. Mr. and Business, Mr. And Mrs. Business owner, you know, let's get through some of this stuff. And when you watch The Profit, you see a lot of that at the very beginning. They're talking about, you know, husband and wife struggling, you know, one doesn't know what the other one's doing or they're fighting about, you know, certain things, processes, or one has too much control over this and that, developing systems in place. And it makes a huge difference from bringing in that outside perspective. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head that there is a C word that entrepreneurs use, uh, that entrepreneurs need, but it's not capital. It's clarity. Mm. Entrepreneurs lack and desperately need clarity about what to do, but even more importantly, guys, what not to do. I spend most of my coaching and consulting time just like, hey, show me your list. All right, well, items five through 15, we're just not going to do that. Oh, I'll do that next month. No, I mean, you're not going to do that ever. Mm. Um, and helping them get focused is way more valuable than any capital I could infuse. And I've only been able to do that because I've done multiple startups. I've gotten an MBA. I've done, you know, I've done all these things that allow me to see, okay, here, pluck the best business model, insert that talent, insert that, you know, and put the puzzle together. And as I talk about in a lot of my keynote presentations to entrepreneurs, the foundation is what matters. You cannot build a skyscraper on the foundation of a two-family home. And if you fuck up the foundation, the whole thing's not going to work. It's really in how you structure the business. And I think that's a really important point that I want entrepreneurs to get honest about. So they're not sitting there thinking, but I work 80 hours a week and I do like that actually doesn't matter. What matters is the structure, the foundation. I love that. I love that because we will get back to the whole idea of, 
you know, I work hard. Yes, you work hard, but are you working in a direction that's going to put you where you want to be? There's a difference between busy work. There's a difference between money-making activities. There's a difference between being a solopreneur and being a business owner. And what you're bringing to the table helps just clarify those things. And if you're willing to accept it, not as negative criticism, but as a positive way forward, it's life-changing. Oh, it's life changing. It's you change your life, change your family's life, change your friend. I mean, literally, it's 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 everything. It's fulfillment. It's definition of success. All the stuff we're we're talking about ties back to what are you honestly doing right now, and what are you going to do today, tomorrow, the next day to get yourself into what I call honest alignment. Mm, honesty. That's a scary word. All right, I'm going to ask for your honest opinion. You got to spend 30 minutes with us and uh, we want to know what your experience was like on the Business Bros podcast. Um, awesome. I, I'm i like, it's funny. I don't know. Like people are watching this, right? Mm-hmm. Just listening yep. in. Watch. It's Every like, time one of your cool videos comes on, I'm like, oh my God, look at this cool video. That's so awesome. <laughs> watching it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need, a, I need an umbrella policy. I need to get an umbrella policy right now. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Well, thanks, man. I mean, we, we had a blast getting to know you. Uh, it, honestly, one of the fastest 30 minutes I've ever gone through. Uh, you when you, t- when you talked about honesty, um, it's it's one of those things that, that if you're able to break through your own ability to be vulnerable, you really get engaged in what it is that you're doing. You know, I, oh, I gosh, teach yeah. high school during the day and oh, I always cool. tell the kids, you know, I'm like, I'm like, look, if you try to not do the work in class, the day's going to take forever. If you just get out of your skin and realize that, yes, you might not know what you're doing, but you're trying to figure it out. The day's going to blow by so quickly. Nobody knows what they're doing. Whoever had this, like walking around thinking like, oh, all these people got it figured out and they have it together. Nobody has it together. Nobody knows what they're doing. Me, you get like, right? Am I right? No, you're hundred percent right. Mm-hmm. Every day I'm still trying to figure it out. I wake up in the morning and I'm still like, I have questions that that need to be answered. Just throw it out there. I mean, listen, I've lost millions and millions of dollars trying stupid stuff and I'll lose millions more because I'm an idiot. But that's like, that's life, right? I think the more we're honest and open, vulnerable, I love that word, um, then the easier I think we can all go about our days and maybe with less anxiety. Because tomorrow the sun will rise. That's right. Tomorrow you, the Hanks. sun will rise. Gosh, I, love Tom Hanks. <laughs> I did too. Uh, Peter, uh, real quick, uh, Pete is asking, how do we find Peter on social? James, you want to drop up that the last two banners yes, real quick? Yes, sir. And we'll cut out here for a second. So if you want to find, uh, Peter's got a bunch of information. Peter, before we go, tell me what they're going to find on the website. All right. So uh, if you go to petercosadoy.com slash go, I have organized all the links in one place. So from there, you can go take the honesty quiz. You can go to my free Facebook group that's teaching you how to write and launch a book from zero to endorsed by Barbara Corcoran. Like everything I've done, I'm just putting out there in live streams every week. You can go see, check out my B2B bootcamp, my forum program. I don't know what else I put on there. There's a bunch of goodies. So uh, check it out. Come follow me on all the socials. I'm like the worst millennial ever. I hate all that shit, but I do it because I have to. <laughs> Hashtag honesty. So um, I'm at, at Peter Cosdoy everywhere. I'm most active on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you very much for spending time with us on the program. Look forward to uh, seeing all the great things that you're up to. Now you're my circle. So uh, I'll be checking your stuff out and and continuing to learn from you. So thank you very much. I'm starting my honesty quiz now.
I will. Um, Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, ladies and gents, that's all we got for you guys today. SHIT, so happy it's so Thursday. Happy Thursday. Peace. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.